Chelsea. This woman is a disgrace. Hey guys, this is Chelsea Disgrace Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and listening. Really appreciate that. I just wanted to take a quick minute to thank some people. Um, If you don't already know, I tried venturing into the uh, stand-up comedy world, and I actually competed in the Border City Comedy Fest a few weeks ago here in uh, my own city of Windsor, Ontario. I just want to thank everybody who supported me uh, just by either coming out to the show or sending me good luck messages and positive vibes. I'm just so really super grateful for all your kind words and loving support. And you guys just have no idea how much it actually means to me. I've only actually performed about uh, four times now, so I still have uh, a lot to learn about becoming more comfortable on stage and just learning to relax and just let the timing come to me. But um, it was a huge, huge honor to be part of that competition. So thank you guys so much for cheering me on and thank you for listening to this podcast because um, this is where I draw most of my uh, jokes from and I love hearing your feedback. It's very encouraging. Um I've had a couple people email me lately at um, at my email, uh, chelseadisgrace at gmail.com, by telling me um, that they love the podcast. So that really does mean so much to me as well. So that being said and done, um, I'm going to move right on uh, to today's topic, which is crushes that I've had over the years. So, okay, I started crushing on boys at uh, at a ripe, tender age of three when I was madly in love with a uh, much older man, a man that I could never have because, sadly, my father would never approve of him. And I'm assuming that this is probably why I was so attracted to him in the first place. Although I was only three, I clearly appreciated the drama and tragedy of a modern-day Romeo and Juliet type of love story. I learned at such a young age that women want pretty much anything that they can't have, which is why I'm assuming I grew up to become attracted to homosexuals. So my first crush, although he was a very caring man, was uh, quite rough around the edges, a definite badass, if you will. He drove a motorcycle, which I found very enticing, but I'm assuming my father didn't think this was safe or practical enough to take me on a proper date, especially since his motorcycle didn't have a child seat. Uh, He was also the lead singer in a band, and uh, his dance moves were rather provocative, to say the least. Uh, very much so influenced by the uh, late and great Elvis Presley, who was considered very sexual for the time period in which he was popular. I didn't know how or why it happened, but uh, watching my crush thrust his pelvis like a Pomerani- Pomeranian on the arm of a couch made my young, hairless wee-wee tickle. And I told my parents this, and I was forced to take a break from watching Full House for a while because my first crush ever was none other than Uncle Jesse, played by the one and only John Stamos. And uh, I'm so glad I didn't know what uh, masturbation was at the age of three because 
I wasn't old enough to wash my own underpants yet, and I wouldn't want my poor mother having to wash the baby jizz out of my uh, Fruit of the Looms every time I watch Full House. So I'd often lay in bed uh, at night, and I'd just think of like different fantasies in my head involving Uncle Jesse. And um, at that age, most of my uh, risque fantasies involve like Joey, Danny, and the kids leaving for the night, and like some for some sort of like shitty dance recital, or like to watch good old Uncle Joey do stand up down at the uh, laugh machine there. And it's just me and Uncle Jesse back at the uh, good old Tanner residence, and. He makes me like a can of beefaroni with cut up hot dogs in it for dinner or something. And then we sit down on the couch and we watch TV and then we cuddle and then we kiss a little bit, which sounds pretty mild, but it's quite heavy stuff at, at that age. So now that I'm a, a bit more grown up, I'd let Uncle Jesse, you know, just bend me right on over over that blue and white checkered couch and just ass fuck me till like Kimmy Gibbler showed up which then I'd probably proceed to invite her to engage in like a three-way where like she would be the one getting ass fucked and I'd just like ride the shit out of Uncle Jesse's face either till completion or till he was like about to suffocate don't think that because I'm no longer three years old and that my crush has faded that I still wouldn't do that. So now that uh, Full House is on Netflix, I, I binge watch that shit and definitely would still gobble up Uncle Jesse's dick like I'm eating a popsicle in a brand new car. Like you got to lick that shit up before it stains the seeds. Know what I mean? I was so head over heels for Uncle Jesse as a child that uh, for my fourth birthday, the only thing I asked for was a puzzle made out of his face. Like, like that was it. Usually kids like to compile like a carefully thought out list of things they like to see make it onto their like birthday roster of gifts. And these selections were usually based off like shitty 90s toy commercials that played during Saturday morning cartoons, which now that I think about it, there's a lot of key items on my list. I'm not carried over to the following year that I never actually received and now I'm sort of feeling a little bit of FOMO, a fear of missing out, mixed with the desire to see if like some of these things still exist so I can take them to my work and show them to my friends but not actually let them touch my things because they're my things. Some of these uh, things included uh, the creepy crawlers machine thing where you could make your own uh, bug-shaped jellies. My mom said that thing was gross and it was for boys. So then I asked for an easy-bake oven, which I also didn't get, and now I don't know how to cook, making me undesirable to men, causing me to probably die alone. Thanks, Mom. Also, I never had my own set of power wheels, which was very upsetting. I always had to bum rides around the block from my friends, which really took away from my independence and my uh, badassness. And I remember wanting one just just so bad. I begged uh, I begged my parents for one like every day. But then when uh, Fisher Price started installing fake plastic phones in the little pink Corvettes, my parents definitely didn't trust my ability to talk to imaginary people on the phone, all the while keeping my eyes on the sidewalk. So yeah, getting a set of power wheels, lost dream. Then, of course, before cell phones, there were uh, little, like, electronic organizers, which I thought were cool as shit, and I wanted one called the Pocket Locker. 
And the box described um, to describe the pocket locker is as follows. You can't control your hair and you can't control your parental units, but you can control your life with Pocket Locker, the new electronic teen organizer from Sharp. If you got a life, get this. So, uh, seeing as my parents were very uh, realistic with money and spending, uh, they suggested that I follow the instructions on the box and actually get a life and a few friends before they invested in a pocket organizer for me, which I can't really blame them because I was somewhat of a loser and my organizer would probably just have phone numbers for my favorite stores, which was Northern Getaway and blockbuster and probably would just have my mother's phone number which was the same as my phone number and then my schedule would probably say something like 12 p.m lunch 1 p.m sew up whole and stuffed animal 2 p.m listen to simple plan while crying 3 p.m organize porcelain teddy bear collection 4 p.m give up on life and go to bed but uh yes like i was saying fourth birthday party None of this shit mattered. The only thing that I was concerned about was hopefully receiving an Uncle Jesse puzzle because it would probably be the closest thing I'd ever get to jamming his face into different size holes. So I know you're probably wondering, A, does a puzzle of Jesse's face even exist? And B, did I end up getting one? And the answer to both these questions is yes, an Uncle Jesse puzzle does exist. And yes, I did get one for my birthday, making me the happiest and most fucked up four-year-old around. <laughs> like, fuck Polly Pockets, fuck your Barbies. That's some secondary shit now. I was having all my friends over to build a John Stamos puzzle. Unfortunately, all my friends uh, included my mom and my hamster, and uh, the hamster was really no help because he didn't really understand the whole edges first concept. So my mom and I probably built this puzzle like uh, over a dozen times together, which was nice. Also, if you don't know this uh, fun fact, uh, John Stamos would sometimes play music with the Beach Boys. And he was actually featured in the video for the song Kokomo. Um, if you haven't seen it, I suggest you YouTube that shit because there's a few close-ups of uh, John Stamos that'll make your panties explode like they're filled with Mentos and your piss and cola. Like, he's got a nice bright pink wife beater on and is playing some sort of steel drums or bongos or something that I wish with all my heart were my labias. Luckily, uh, my dad, being the super cool nerd that he is, has the uh, record soundtrack to the popular Tom Cruise movie Cocktail, which features a song Kokomo. So every couple weeks, he would dust off his vinyl and put it on for me, and I would just go fucking ape shit around the house. This is why dad had to limit the amount of times he played this song, because I would just jump all over the furniture and I would lift my dress over my head like a little baby slut and mom would have to shut all the windows because I'd be singing at the top of my lungs which probably sounded like I was being beat with a wooden spoon or something but yeah I fucking love that song um and loved Uncle Jesse that was my first crush ever and I'm very sad to report that uh, my puzzle has been sold in a yard sale but I hope that uh, wherever it is Right now, it's given three-year-olds some wee-wee tickles like it did for me. 
So, uh, moving on, the next notable crush I had, uh, once I realized that Uncle Jesse was probably not going to leave Aunt Becky and his twin boys for me, um, a simple peasant with no Hot Wheels Corvette or Easy Bake Oven, was uh, a real live boy in my kindergarten class, and his name was Chris Brown. And no, he was not a woman beater with mediocre rap skills and tats up to his neck. He was a simple white boy with a very handsome face and the charm of a second grader. Now, kindergarten was the only time in my entire life where I was considered a babe. Uh, possibly even the hottest girl in the whole class. I was always dressed uh, well in the prettiest, most floweriest dresses Zellers had to offer, and I had long blonde hair that was always put in a nice ponytail, and just like a face so cute I could charm the pants right off any pedophile within a 45-kilometer radius without even trying. Due to my uh, superior attractiveness, I just assumed that Chris Brown and I would become like a hot item couple and just rule the entire class. And we would always be like the mom and dad when playing house because we were clearly the most mature couple and the only ones who actually knew how to be in a relationship. And then eventually we would need a bigger place, so then we'd go to the uh, ADD kid in class and have him build us like a spacious fort out of giant connecting blocks. Then obviously Chris Brown would have all his slightly less hot friends help him bury a ring like made of sandwich bag ties in the sandbox. And then he'd take me there on like a romantic digging excursion. And like during playtime and I would uncover the ring and he would ask me to marry him. And then shortly after that, we'd begin like a large family of Cabbage Patch dolls and we'd just live happily ever after. (laughs) However, uh, none of these things actually happened because Chris Brown showed no real interest in me, which I didn't understand because I was like the sexiest bitch there. There were, however, uh, two boys named Jonathan uh, and Janir who constantly fought over me during circle time, like who got to sit next to me. And they both bought me chocolate lollipops on Valentine's Day. But like, I didn't want Jonathan. I didn't want Janir. I wanted Chris Brown. Again, someone I could not have due to his lack of interest in me, which was made evident due to him never speaking to me or wanting to be around me. This only made me long for him more and more and more, and I wasn't even shy to talk about my abiding love for him. My mom actually got pissed at me because I took my class picture and I cut out Chris Brown as well as myself, and I glued it onto a red heart that I had cut out from construction paper and I kept it in my velcro mickey mouse wallet for like quick reference in case anyone ever asked if I had a boyfriend which every older person always asks younger people this because they think it's funny and they expect you to be like ew no I don't have a boyfriend it's gross but like me they'd be like oh do you have a boyfriend 
and I'd be like, yes, actually, if you would just give me one moment to fetch my wallet here, like, here is a photograph of myself and my gentleman caller, Chris. Chris Brown is his name, and we are the most talked about couple in parent-teacher interviews, and every girl wants to be me, and every guy wants to be him, especially Jonathan and Junior. I really like to imagine that he was actually my boyfriend because reality was uh, kind of a bummer. Uh, I eventually got over Chris Brown, though, uh, until grade nine rolled around and we started hanging out again in the same group of friends where all my old buried feelings came rushing right on back, seeing as his physical features were still quite striking, and he was more witty and clever than I ever remembered, and I was sure fate had returned him to me so we could become uh, boyfriend and girlfriend. Uh, But I had forgotten the fact that he was 4,000 times hotter than I was, and he ended up dating my hot best friend. And I would have the uh, distinct pleasure of uh, third wheeling every weekend as my heart broke more and more every time I saw them together. And all I wanted to do was lay in bed and eat cheese till my bowels obstructed and I just passed away. But I couldn't afford that much cheese. So instead, I would just listen to I'm With You by Avril Lavigne on my MP3 player as I was walking down the street in the rain wishing like a large bird of some sort would just swoop down and hook me with his talons and just take me far away. But no such luck. Chris Brown and I were just not meant to be. However, um, I did have another secret crush on somebody else during my kindergarten uh, Chris Brown phase. And this crush was actually on a stuffed animal. Um, isn't it amazing how, uh, after this many podcast episodes, I can still, like, surprise you with just how pathetic my life was, um, is, and probably always will be, but yes, uh, I had a crush on a stuffed animal, but in my defense, it was a life-size stuffed Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and everybody knows that Raph is clearly the most badass, don't give a fuck, out of my way, Ninja Turtle, so I stand by my crush with minimal embarrassment. It's not like I was with, like, punk-ass bitch turtle Leonardo or anything, so I think I'm good. So, yeah, I had a life-size Raphael turtle and at the tender age of five I used to bring him into my bed and uh, pretend to have sex with him. I actually remember one time quite clearly when my mom caught us making love. Uh, Raph and I had just gotten back from a very romantic imaginary tea party and we're laying in bed where we pondered about stuff like why mom stopped putting fruit roll-ups in my lunch and why I'm not allowed to watch Bambi and My dad had to wear a diaper full of ice for a couple days after my brother was born and among other important mature issues like that. Uh, Then things began to heat up a little as I decided to give Raph a full body massage. Sometimes I would even take off his eye mask and put it on myself, you know, just to spice things up a bit. But luckily this uh, wasn't one of those times, but um, I did begin to dry hump him, which uh, if you remember from one of my previous podcasts is one of my favorite things ever. So I'm dry humping Raph at age five, remind you, when my mom walks in to put my laundry away. And she just looks at me, straddling him harder than a midget on a merry-go-round. And she asks me, like, what are you doing? 
And I'm thinking, great, turtle blocked by my own mother. I certainly can't tell her what I'm doing. She'll sell Raph in a yard sale, just like my Uncle Jesse puzzle. And I was not going back to that child psychologist. Luckily, I was a fast thinker as a child. And I was like, Mom, like I'm playing dentist. I was just about to pull Raph's tooth out. Now, I don't know what the hell kind of pervert dentist straddles their patients for a standard tooth pull, but uh, mom believed me, and it was uh, she's actually probably pretty stoked that I was showing interest in becoming a dentist. But uh, look at me now, mom. I'm so sorry. Uh, then uh, grade two rolls around, and along came a beautiful specimen of a young Italian boy named Emilio, and he was absolutely stunning and most definitely the hottest guy in the entire school in my class the teacher had set up the desks uh, to be in groups of six uh, beside me I had my two main bitches Jess and Rachel and sitting facing us were three young men Dustin some Indian guy that picked his nose with his pinky finger and tried putting it in his mouth and Emilio and I got to sit three feet away from him and just stare at him all day long. And he gave me those funny wee-wee feelings similar to those from Uncle Jesse. Which is the reason why I had to end my uh, no underwear phase that I went through for a while. Because I didn't want to collect like a puddle of Emilio-induced pussy juice on my blue plastic chair. So I figured we would all end up triple dating. Like me with Emilio, obviously. And Jess and Rach could fight over who got Dustin. However, that never went according to plan, seeing as none of my tactics I used to impress him were successful. He loved hockey, so I thought wearing my Red Wings t-shirt to class would get him to notice me, which it did not. And I was the reigning queen of Flash Fingers, a game of spelling and speed, which I thought would impress him, but again, it did not. Then things just went downhill from there once I suffered a hair tragedy when my hair went from blonde to brown and I tried cutting it myself and in the end I had a haircut that looked like Kate Gosling circa 2008. So I took the blow rather hard and I began getting weight and wearing pajamas to school so I just completely gave up on even trying to get Emilio to notice me. Like with hair like Fabio and skin like a baby seal, he just deserved a dime piece and I was barely a nickel. But yeah, I creeped him on Facebook and now he has a super hot girlfriend who I would go down on faster than a senior citizen on a set of stairs in a life alert commercial. But yeah, good for Emilio. So, okay, here's the plan, guys. I have about four thousand other notable crushes that I love to tell you about and I'm actually really enjoying this uh, rather pathetic walk down memory lane so I'm just going to uh, make this topic a two-parter so uh, next episode you can hear more about the way uh, my out-of-league men have pi- I pined over and didn't like me back so uh, many tears I've cried over so please join me for the next episode and if you haven't already uh, check out past episodes uh, share them with your friends and feel free to email me back and as always I'm here to make you feel better about yourself one Chelsea Grace prom at a time see ya <laughs>